Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Shalom. This is your host sister, Donna Deckard, and this is the House of Ephraim Cradle of Hope Blog Talk Radio on Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. And today, well, it is Teacher's Tuesday, but first, a word from our announcer. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Welcome back. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard, and I have a few announcements before we start this show today. I want to remind all of you, we have a quarterly coming up. That is April 5th, 6th, and 7th. Yes, April 5th, 6th, and 7th. And I'll tell you what, it'll be here before you can blink an eye. And I have been encouraging all of you to make it a faith project to get to quarterly. Yes, to make it a faith project. Your spiritual growth is dependent on it. Well, now, Sister Donna, I can spiritually grow at home. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But I'm telling you that if you want a booster shot in your spiritual growth, make it to quarterly. Make it to quarterly. You know, sometimes our growth is so slow and ardent that we just don't even think we're growing. You know? I know that's one of the things I like to do at Rosh Hashanah time is I like to go back and just think about what have I, what have I learned this past year? Where has my growth been? Because growth is slow, ardent. I'm telling you, come to quarterlies, it's your fertilizer. You know what I'm saying? It's your time-release fertilizer to come to quarterly. Make it a faith project. Make it a faith project. And I would encourage you to do that. Check out our itinerary page at our website, www.jewishprofit.com. And as most of you know, and if you those of you who don't, we do have a Sabbath fellowship available online. And that is with Prophet Mark Reinbold on Friday evenings on our YouTube channel, which is Jewish Prophet. And then, of course, we have our Wednesday evening service on our YouTube channel with myself. So um, if you uh, need to know times and all that, email us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. We'll get that information out to you. So we are going to finish up temptation. Temptation. This is, this is a sermon I did based on prophets uh, series, the purpose of temptation. And I'm telling you, like I have told countless people 
and made announcements when I used to announce the the material. And as far as I'm concerned, the most important series on the media table, hard for me to remember to say that. I usually say tape table, (laughs) but it's not on tape anymore. But the most important series that's available is Purpose of Temptation. Because let me tell you something, you have to understand why it is that you are going through what you're going through, and temptation is part of your spiritual growth. It's just part of it. It's part of it, and we need to have an understanding of that. And I'll tell you what, I I encourage you guys, I encourage you to get that series out and listen to it every once in a while, at least once a year. I'm telling you, I guarantee you there'll be something on there that you didn't hear because you were spiritually not ready to understand it yet. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God... God is faithful. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad he's faithful. You know, sometimes we're not, but he is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to bear it? Now, some of you right now, you're going through some pretty tough things. And you're probably thinking, well, Sister Donna, I can't. This is too hard. This is too hard. Sister Donna, I can't bear it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can, because you see, God's word is truth. And God's word says right here in, in Corinthians that you can bear it. That God is faithful to not let you allow you to go through more than you can bear. You're stronger than you think. I want you to say this. I can handle this. No, say it like you mean it. I can handle this. There you go. There you go. Yes, you can handle this. It's not more than you can bear. It's not more than you want. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it? The law of provision. Prophet gave this in that series, the law of provision. God gives a promise, which is linked to a principle or a condition, followed by a problem or a temptation, leading to the provision. You have to go through. This law is, is, I mean, right now, if you had something in your hand, a pen, a book, a hanky, and you let go of it, it would fall because of the law of gravity. The law of provision works just the same. It works every time. Every time. You are not going to jump to the provision just because you read the promise. You are going to have to go through the condition and the temptation. That's the part we don't like. And that's why this series is so important. Because you have to understand this. How to possess your promised land. How to possess the promises that you read in his scripture. How do you possess them? You might enter the land. But that doesn't mean you're in full possession. Most of us think instant maturity is not doing anything wrong. And that's not instant maturity. Our promised land can become ours only a little at a time. The Bible says precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. God is constantly showing you 
the sin in your life, constantly showing you what you need to do, what you need to change. Here or there, a little, there a little, here a little, a bit at a time. That's how he works. Because we have to, ta- have, to have time to grow in ability to possess the promises. You have to grow in ability. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee, excuse me, into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Gerserites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hevitites, the Jebusites, seven nations, listen to this, greater and mightier than you. Go down to verse 21. Thou shalt not be affrightened of them. Now, this is key. This is key. You need to underline that. You need to look at the giants. You need to look at the enemy holding you back and preventing you from from possessing the promises. What is that? Well, maybe maybe it's pain. Maybe it's maybe it's the, the 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 lack of finances. Maybe it's maybe it's relationships gone sour. What is it that that stands in the way of you receiving the promise of God? Don't be frightened of it. Don't be frightened of it. Do you know why that's important? Do you know why he said, don't be afraid of them? Because the opposite of faith is fear. Fear. Do you realize when someone gets diagnosed with cancer? Not. I don't think it's as bad now as it used to be. But I'm telling you, the fear fear that would rise up in that person, in the family of that person, and in the community that knew that person. (gasps) Did you hear? So-and-so has cancer. Oh, my, they're going to die. The fear would well up. Why does I go over there, but I just, I don't know what to say to them. I got cancer. I said, don't be afraid. Don't let fear override your faith. He said, for the Lord thy God is among you. Do you serve the living God or do you not? Do you serve a living God or do you not? You need to stop and think about the things that God has helped you to overcome and to conquer. And then look at your new things that you've got to overcome and conquer and don't be afraid of them. God is among you, a mighty God. And terrible. And the Lord thy God will put out these nations before thee little by little. But thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. Isn't God smart? See, if God picked us up and cleaned everything out of our lives that's not lined up with him, You know what would happen? The beast of the field would come in and overtake you. You've got to learn. 
spectacular and unusual rapid growth in a church, a group, or an individual is abnormal. If you look closely, you'll find wild animals there. Instability, pure emotionalism, dangerous doctrine, and a lack of solid teaching and faith. Think about it. Think about it. When there is is rapid growth, rapid growth, there are beasts there. There are beasts there. I remember I remember when, when Jeremiah was getting ready to go into fourth grade. And Prophet and I had decided that we were going to send him to public school so he would have an understanding of what school was, was public school was. He'd been homeschooled his whole life. He could read. He could do his math. He, he had the basics. And so I went to... I went to enroll him, and they kind of looked down their nose at homeschool schooling here in this county, and they looked at me and they said, "Well, I'm like he'll have to be tested." I said, "Okay, test him. That's fine with me." Well, you can't be there with him. I'm like, "Well, that's fine. I don't need to be there with him." And so they set up a date, and I took and dropped him off, and they said, come back in about an hour. So I went and ran errands, and I came back and about an hour, and I'm sitting in this little cubicle for a waiting room, and I'm sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and over 30 minutes went by. And finally, here came there came the teacher that had been testing him. And she walked in and she said, oh, Mrs. Jackson, I just want to congratulate you as she held her hand out to shake my hand. She said, you have done a wonderful job teaching your son. I'm like, well, thank you. I've done, I've done the best I knew how to do. She goes, no, no, you don't understand. She said, she goes, I, I, I know you, I know you noticed he'd been taking a test an hour and a half. And I said, yeah, I noticed that. You said it would be an hour. And she said, yeah. She said, well, we usually test them until they make a mistake. And she goes, he was in the math part. And she goes, I finally just shut it down because he didn't make a mistake. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. And so she began to explain, explain to me. She goes, now, and I can't remember exactly what all the definite grade levels was, but in math, he was like uh, at the level of a sophomore in high school because he could do algebra. And and that didn't surprise me because with homeschooling, he'd been doing algebra since first grade. And and so she said but but in language he he was in like eighth grade and something else he was in sixth grade and and she goes, Mrs. Deckard, you can put him in any grade you want to put him in. And I said, Well, I said just like I told the gal the first day I came here, I wanted to know what grade is his age group in. And they, and, and they said, well, he'd be in fourth grade. And I said, well, that's where I want him. I want him in fourth grade. I want him to be with other children that are his age. That's where I want him. You see, he had the IQ 
and the knowledge of a high schooler in math. But he was not ready to be a sophomore in high school. And I knew that. He wasn't ready to interact with kids that were getting ready to get their driver's license. And I knew that. I wanted him to be in his age group. Because, see, even though his mind was well past his physical age, his body was not. Emotions, his his interaction with other people was not. Spectacular and unusual growth. beast of the field. You see, if I would have put him in high school, he would have been exposed to social things that as a fourth grader, and I'm going to say he was, was I'm going to say he was 10. I don't know what, what age he was. But a 10-year-old is not ready for the social exposure of a high school student. They're not ready for it. And I knew he wasn't. He may have been that smart in math, but he wasn't ready emotionally to be in high school. God, in his wisdom, can look at you and say, I am not going to allow you. I am not going to allow you to have this growth and put you in a level that you're not ready for. Because, see, as you grow spiritually. Now listen. Are you listening? As you grow spiritually, the spiritual battles get stronger. And if you're flailing around with the spiritual battle that's going on in you right now, you can't handle what's ahead. God has to train you to battle. If you're in boot camp, you're not ready for the special forces. You'd end up getting shot. Killed. Blown out of your spiritual world. And God knows that. So he doesn't allow you, he doesn't allow you to skip. He doesn't allow, he doesn't allow you to walk in and possess all the promises at once. You have to start one at a time. One at a time. Yeshua permitted Satan to come near to Simon Peter. Because he needed to be exposed to temptation. He needed to be exposed to temptation. Remember, Remember that scripture? Remember Yeshua told, told Peter, he said, Satan has has Let's see, here, where is it at? In Luke, chapter 22. Listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Luke 22, verse 31. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, those of you who, in the kitchen, I have a flour sister in my kitchen. You put the flour in there, which is usually wheat flour, and there's a screen in the bottom, and there's a little wire that you you crank it, and it sifts the flour. And he said, Simon, Peter, Satan has desired that he could 
sift you as wheat. He wants to put you through that strainer and see if there's any lumps in you. Now, I don't know about you, but as a mom, if I knew that my child was getting ready to, to, to be sifted as wheat by darkness, you know what my first instinct as a mom would be? To protect that child. To stand up and do battle for him. No, you can't. You can't have it. But that's not what Jesus did. I want you to look at the next verse. And I want you to understand something. God is smarter than we are. But I have prayed for thee. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for praying for me. Thank you. You prayed for me that Satan would not sift me as wheat. No, that's not what he prayed. I want you to listen to this. He said, I have prayed that thy faith fail not. God said, don't be afraid of them. Yeshua said, Peter, I have prayed that your faith doesn't fail. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brothers. Yeshua didn't stop it, did he? He said, you are going to go through a sifting, Peter. And let me tell you something. You and I go through siftings. We go through siftings. And you know what? Yeshua is praying for us, too. It says he is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. Do you see why it's so important that we pray in tongues? Because you see, we would say, oh, God. Stop the devil. I bind the devil up from from sifting Peter. I bind him up in the name of Yeshua. He won't go through this hard time. No, that's not what Yeshua prayed. He said, I have prayed that your faith doesn't fail, Peter. I pray that your faith doesn't fail, Peter. You've got to go through the siftings. And Yeshua's praying that your faith doesn't fail. Don't be afraid of what you're going through. Don't be afraid of what you're going through. Now listen to what Peter replied. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Listen to what Peter replied. And he said to them, Lord, (laughs) I am ready. Doesn't that sound like us? Bring it on, devil, I'm ready. I am ready to go with thee, both to prison and to death. God, I am faithful. God Yeshua had prayed that his faith not fail. And Peter's going, bring it on, devil. I am ready, God. I am ready to go with you even to death. Doesn't that sound like you and I? God, I got it. We do that all the time. I got this, God. Sometimes we got it so much that we just go off on our own without even consulting God about it. This is what this, I know this is the will of God for this situation. And then we get into a big mess. Look what Yeshua, how he responded to him. He said, I tell you, Peter, the cock, meaning a chicken, a rooster, shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that you even know me. That's humbling. Peter said, I'll go with you even to the death, Lord. Yeshua said, hey, tonight you're going to deny me three times. You ain't going with me to the death, Peter. 
why I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. Because you're going to deny me three times before the morning. I bet old Peter sloughed off to the side of the crowd. Like, I hope the rest of them didn't hear that. Back up to verse 28. Ye are they that have continued with me in my temptation. Even Yeshua endured temptation. We think we're going to go without him. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father had appointed unto me. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit at thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. But there was a little something in Peter's heart that had to be put to the test. They're dying for his faith. Fear of the government killing him for what he believed. It had to be put to the test before he could enter the promised land as a leader who could strengthen and build the faith of his brother. You have to go through some things before you can strengthen others. You got to be through, gone through it. You got to gone through it, have gone through it. There was a little pride and self-sufficiency in Peter. He assumed that he was ready for any trial. You and I feel the same way at times. Bring it on! I got this! Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands, who feels sure that he has a steadfast mind and is standing firm, take heed. Take heed. Take heed. Must he fall into sin. When we feel strong, we are no longer dependent on Christ for our strength. God said, don't be afraid of them. Don't let fear come in. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Peter, you're getting ready to go through a temptation. But I've prayed that your faith doesn't fail. I have prayed that your faith doesn't fail. That's not how we pray for each other, is it? You know somebody going through the going through? Oh, I'm telling you. You want to bind the devil up. You want to send angels. You want to do this. You want to do that. Yeshua said, I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. He who thinks he stands, take heed. Lest he falls. Peter thought he was standing. God, I'm telling you, Yeshua, I am ready to go with you to the death. His own self-sufficiency. His own self-sufficiency. I'm sure when when Yeshua told him he'd deny him three times that night, Peter was like, oh, not me. No, sorry. Not me. I remember one time we had had Awesome, awesome service. Back when Prophet had the seven churches, we had this awesome service, and we called them Wally Wallbangers. I mean, the the Holy Ghost had come in, and people were being slain in the 
spirit and we dancing in the spirit and praising God and oh it was an awesome service. God was was healing people, miracles were happening. Some of us got so drunk we could couldn't stand up in the spirit. I get, when I get drunk in the Holy Ghost, I giggle. I'm telling you, I laying on the floor just a giggling and a carrying on. The prophet got ready to close the meeting down. He said, all of you that are able, go get back to your chairs, your pew. <clears throat> and, of course, there was a, the, you know, the giggles and the people, you know, just like a bunch of drunks. Drunk on the new wine. And all of a sudden, prophet prophesied. I'll never forget it. You talk about you talk about a whole church full of people that suddenly got sober. He said, You call me the prophet the prophet and rightly so. But he said, you're complacent. You're not doing what you know to do. You're not praying, reading, tithing. You're complacent. And he said, if you guys don't get serious about serving God and doing what you know to do, Get the sin out of your lives. He said, God will take me away from you. And he said, you guys will run like rabbits. And you'll point your fingers and call me the devil. I can remember when that service was over. Several of the elders came up to my husband and I, and they said, it won't be me. It won't be me. I'll never leave. He's the prophet of God. I can remember sitting there going, God, I waited 10 years after I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I was in the Methodist church for 10 years after being filled with the Holy Ghost, searching for a place to be. And Father, I feel like I finally found it. Please don't let me be one of them. Please don't let it be me. It wasn't. Telling you when that when that split happened, those elders that had come up and boastfully said, It won't be me. They ran like rabbits. And they pointed their fingers at the prophet and called him the devil. And it's happened again. Prophet would say, "For every every one of you leave, God'll bring God'll bring ten more ten more back around." He did. He did. And guess what? We've had we've had another split in the organization. They ran. They called me the devil. They called me Jezebel. been through it before I understand he said he said Peter he said Peter after you've he said after you have been converted 
after you've gone through the temptation, strengthen your brother. Strengthen your brother. Peter failed. He denied his Lord three times. But his faith didn't fail. His faith did not fail. You may stumble, fall, and deny. But hang on to your faith. What do you really believe about God? Peter's faith didn't fail, and he strengthened his brothers. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. <laughs> the steps of a good man. Was Peter a good man? Yes, they were. And they were ordered. Yeshua knew that Satan was going to sift him as wheat. It wasn't a surprise to Yeshua. Because the steps of Peter were ordered. Do you understand that what you're going through today, it's not a surprise to God because your steps are ordered. Your steps are ordered. God knows that you are going to go through that. And he knows you are able to go through it. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. Peter fell. He denied his Lord three times. I don't know the man. But he was not utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth them with his, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Peter listed nine areas that must be cultivated one by one to build upon the foundational promise. Thus we become partakers of the nature of Christ. And those nine things are found in Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 1 through 7. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Yeshua the Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Yeshua the Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord. According to his divine power, given unto us all things that pertain to life. The promised land and goodliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, verse 5, he begins to list these nine things that we need to cultivate. Besides this, getting all diligence, number one. Add to your faith virtue, number two. And to virtue, knowledge, number three. And to knowledge, temperance, number four. And to temperance, number five. Patience, and to patience, number six. Goodliness, and goodliness, number seven. Brotherly kindness, number eight. And to brotherly kindness, charity, number nine. Diligence. Be persistent. Prophet used to call it have bulldog tenacity. You latch on to something by faith and you don't let go of it. You gotta learn to stick with it. You gotta learn to work at it. And remember, it's not our work, but rather the persistence in clinging to Christ who works in us. And use your diligence 
to exercise faith, which is the second one. Faith. Every effort. You have to imply every effort to exercise your faith. And faith, that when you have learned to exercise faith, will develop in you virtue, which is the third one. And virtue means just doing it right. Don't take shortcuts. Virtue is excellence. True goodness. That's one of the fruits of spirit, isn't it? Uprightness. Resolution of Christian energy. And what else? Practice, practice virtue to develop the fourth one, which is knowledge. Learn to know God better and discover what he wants you to do. Quit sitting in service and going, oh, I hope my spouse is hearing this. I hope so-and-so is listening to this. No, you're listening to it. You have to learn to know God better for you. God, what is this sermon saying to me? You've got to learn and discover what he wants you to do. And you've got to seek out his will for you. Study your Bible. Grow up. Your diaper's showing. Quit crying for your passing. Coming to me and needing your diaper changed. Or to your fellowship leader needing your diaper changed. Just grow up. And in practicing what you know about God's ways and what he wants for you, you will develop temperance, which is self-control. Number five, another fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. That's a toughie. That's a toughie one. Have you ever promised yourself that you won't get mad over anything ever again? <laughs> the Bible says be angry but don't sin. Don't let the sun go out on your, on your anger. Now, I'm not giving you a license to just be angry at every drop of the hat. I'm just saying God knows he made us with that, with that um, emotion. He said, don't let the sun go down on it. What causes you to lose control? Our stubborn self-will? We get mad when our will is opposed. Our comforts, our opinions are questioned. Giant-sized egos of ourselves. We will be controlled when we put aside our own desires, die to our ego, and let Yeshua control us. When our self is controlled by him, then we have learned the real meaning of the word. And when this happens, you'll develop number six, patience. It's another fruit of the spirit. This is steadfast endurance in all circumstances and all developed and only develop, excuse me, as it is practiced. You only develop patience in all circumstances as you practice patience. The reason why you pray for patience, you get opportunities to be patient. Remember Yeshua in the back of the sinking boat? There he was in the back of that boat asleep. Now let me tell you something. If he knew that Peter was going to be sifted by the devil, guess what? 
He knew there was going to be a storm, and those disciples were going to have opportunity to pass or fail the temptation. And he knew they were going to fail. And he got in the back of the boat and went to sleep. Why? Knowing everything was going to be okay. And that boat went to rocking. The wind went to blowing. The waves got higher. And the disciples got scared. Don't be frightened of them. They got scared. They came back to the boat and they said, don't you care that we're about to die? Yeshua had patience. He knew that he knew that he knew that he had authority over the wind. They weren't going to die, but he had the patience to allow them to get to the point that they were going, do something, God! Doesn't that sound like you and I? You just failed the test, boys. You're going to get to go through that one again. And they did, and they failed it the second time, too. Patience. Being able to reign in all circumstances of life, practicing steadfast patience leads to goodliness. I just, I just ministered goodliness on, on the YouTube. Goodliness. It's another one of the fruit of the Spirit. Goodliness. This word has many implications. An important was one is impartiality or justice. God is totally just and impartial. You can measure your goodliness by the way you treat your enemies. As you practice goodliness, you develop brotherly kindness. Number eight, brotherly kindness. Can you look at every man with compassion, even when they're dirty, ugly, mean? Yield yourself to Christ and let his affection come through you. And number nine, this would develop number nine. See that you don't start with number nine. You start with number one, being diligent. Number nine is Christian love. This is the final step in our ladder of preparation to death, the promised land. Christian love of God. The highest form of love, a reasoning, intentional, deliberate, spiritual devotion for someone. This is not an emotional feeling, variable as the wind, but a steady, unchanging affection. The natural love most of us as humans are capable of is always directed towards something or someone we like or attracted to or approve. Agape is the nature of God's love. He loves when we're wrong. He loves when we're rebellious. We can love like God and only if Christ lives and love in us. Last scripture, Second Peter 1, 8 through 11. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua the Christ. But he that lacketh these things, now listen, if you lack these nine things, you're blind and you can't see far off and you've forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, brethren, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. 
For if you do these things, you shall never fall. You shall never fall. You shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua the Christ. How are you going to possess the promised land? You start out by don't be afraid. But you are going to have to develop these nine things in your life. You're going to have to start out by being diligent. Get that bulldog tenacity. Temptation. God's way of growing you up. Yeshua said, I pray that your faith doesn't fail. Temptation is God's plan for you and I. Let's pray. Father, I come to you right now. I lift up those who are listening. Father, you know, you know the beginning and the end. You know what they're going through right this moment. And you have prayed and interceded that their faith not fail. Yeah, God, I'm about to say, Father, I pray that, that I pray that as this administered today, that they have a better understanding of how to go through the temptation. That even if they fail as Peter did, they can go on. They can seek forgiveness and they can go on. And they can serve you. And they can strengthen others. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. One time I was listening to the prophet and he said, make a mistake on me. He said, just step out in faith and make a mistake on me. He used to tell, he used to tell us, the kids, when they're at the house, he said, you know, he said, do something. Even if it's wrong, do something. Do something! Even if it's wrong, do something. Father, I pray for those who are listening that they'll just do something. Do something. Even if it's wrong. Now, God is going to... God is going to heal you today. You got something you need healed for. I want you to put your hand there. And I'm telling you, somebody, you got something going on with your elbow, and, and it's, it's connected to, to, your, to your shoulder. It's because your shoulder is out. God's going to heal that right now. In the name of Yeshua, I command the healing. Somebody else, you got something going on with your foot, your heel specifically. I command the healing. Satan, I bind you. I command you to take away those lying symptoms. Yasaratai! 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 Yay, go to Bushakaha. Release it! Al, there it is. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Father. Send forth the angels. Give him the praise and the glory. In Yeshua's precious name. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Well, I want to thank each of you for tuning in. And I want to remind you that with God, 
all things are possible. Shalom.